0: You're listening to The Agile CTO, a podcast geared toward technology professionals, disruptors, and thought leaders. This show will aim to cover industry trends, new technologies, the life of a CTO, building dev culture, stories from some of today's leading CTOs, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Agile CTO podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Harley Ferguson. I'm a front-end practice lead here at Hayfedy Software which basically just means I make things look pretty if you don't know what Flutter and React and all that stuff is. And if you do, you you really know the stuff I'm struggling with on a day-to-day basis. We're joined today by a very special guest, but before we introduce him, I'm going to introduce my co-host, Guy Coleman. Guy, how are you doing?
1: I'm well, thanks, Holly, and thanks for the intro. So I'm Guy Coleman. I'm the technical director here at Haverly Software and the co-host of the Agile CTO podcast. I guess to define my role, I look after people. I'm an ex-developer or recovering Recovering developer, should I say. I don't think we we ever stop being software engineers once you start. But I try to find the gaps in my day to get there. And as Holly said, we've got a special guest with us here today. His name is Herman Creel. He's the founder and CEO of Five Friday, a a very special software development company with a great lean towards culture and a great methodology for doing business. And I'm going to leave it to Herman to, to tell us a bit more about that. So Herman, take it away. Introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about Five Friday.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Five Friday software development company you know our our tagline i suppose says it best uh, business is serious and work is fun okay that's always been a big driver for me the concept that you have to come into the office and everything has to be serious didn't work for me so you know work has got to be fun we have to enjoy what we do on a day-to-day basis that doesn't mean that we're not going to have challenges and struggles etc but ultimately you know we spend a a shit ton of time at the office or doing our work. And if you're not having fun or a reasonable amount of fun, you know, then what's the point? So I suppose that that kind of sums up you know, very high level, what kind of drove me to this, you know, doing things differently. First of all, in t- in terms of the who we are, a little bit, you know, we place a b- big premium on building long-term relationships with customers. Okay. We see a lot of value in terms of that second and third and fourth, etc. project with a customer. where you starting to get to know the people? where you starting to get to know their business? Right. The language that they speak, etc. Sure. You know, we we believe that that adds a a lot of value to the relationship.
1: Right. So for for you guys, it's less about building a project it's rather about building a relationship over an extended period of time and forming this bond over multiple projects potentially
2: yeah absolutely you know guy and it's not like the one project must follow after the previous you know there can there can be a period of time where we where we don't hear from the customer but we like when they have something that they want done that they think of us first okay because of the experience that they had with us that's great. There's obviously, yeah, there's obviously a part of our business, you know, we in the corporate space where we have dedicated team looking after a particular system for a particular customer. And that's great as well. Of
0: course. And if, for, for interest's sake, if our listeners were to Google you or look you up on LinkedIn, and they were to read your bio, there's a very key phrase there that kind of struck my attention, and it was an accidental CEO. What do you mean by that? What is your definition of an accidental CEO and how did you become one?
2: <laughs> yeah, so it means that I never studied business. Uh, I, you know growing up, I, I had these grand ideas of becoming a farmer, you know oh wow. But studied agriculture, then got to the realization that without a farm, you're not going to be a (laughs) fantastic farmer, probably going to end up in a lab with a white coat, you know, that didn't really sit well with me. And that was also kind of with the the PC boom era. So very much interested in in computers and got into that. And then after after a stint in Europe, coming back to South Africa, got involved with a small setup. And... Got more involved in terms of growing the business you know how do we how do we change from just being a few consultants working together to actually forming a business or making this a business so the curiosity in terms of how do you do things I, and i think also just necessity kind of drove me and that's that's why I was, you know I, i've got that phrase in there about being an accidental ceo but a very happy one
0: okay well, that's great to hear
2: fantastic and herman just going through your company
1: website, I can tell that company culture and the the people that you work with are pivotal to you as a business. I get the sense that you are not a business full of employees. You are a business full of leaders and partners, right? Is that an, is that an accurate representation?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's very accurate, Guy. You know, it's not a foreign concept, the thing that every business is about the people. It's not necessarily about the widgets that you that you make or sell or that the business really is about the people it's really important to me as i said earlier you know for people to enjoy what they're doing there must be an element of fun in there you know we've always in terms of our values there's one value that stand out and and, and, and i feel strongly about that and that is the value that says that it's okay to be a little weird yeah okay so we we celebrate people's weirdness because All of our weird put together, I think makes us a better and stronger team. Sure. So we don't hide our weird. We don't try to leave it at home. We bring it to the office.
0: Well, while we're on the topic of a little weird, while going through your website, fivefridays.com, people will come across a term called Fitfo. Fitfo is mentioned in a couple of different areas. You can even download a document explaining what Fitfo is. Why don't you just save them some time and explain what Fitfo is and what it means?
2: Yeah, FitFo is a culmination of trying different methodologies that are, I don't know, I suppose, widely recognized and well thought out methodologies. But none of them really, we didn't find any of them a good fit or a a 100% fit for the way that we want to do business and for what I believe is important. And that led us to FitFo. Which, as far as I can trace it back, the original term is a term that originated in the U.S. military, and it stands for "figure it the fuck out." There we go. And look, it's pr- it's pretty much what we do on a day-to-day basis right. as human beings, anyway, mm-hmm. and we and we damn good at that. We really are damn good at that. And what really struck me about that approach is this: as well, instead of trying to force everyone to fit into a particular methodology that may work wonderfully in organization A or even organization A, B, C, D, E, etc. Why don't we take what we believe is appropriate for us and put our own spin on it and adapt it to something that we all feel comfortable with. And so we took a a couple of methodologies and, and then also I don't know, chucked in some of our own thoughts and ideas. And I think that that is key, you know, our own way, what works for our people, what works for our customers and our way of right. doing things.
1: Having read the Fitvo methodology of your website, it really does resonate well with with Simon Sinek and his approach to, to doing business and working with people and mentorship and really just flipping the, the hierarchy upside down, right? And actually empowering individuals to be better to be more accountable and more responsible for the output of their work. I'm super keen to maybe put you on the spot a little bit and maybe run us through a scenario in a typical new client environment. So how would you begin this with mom and pops butchery on the corner that wants to build a,
2: an application or a product? Sure. I think you mentioned two key phrases there, Guy. Accountability and responsibility. And I think often the two are confused. So. What we do is we say we have people with particular skill sets, we have developers, we have business analysts, we have graphic designers, project managers. And all of those skills are necessary to form a team for mom and pop's butchery shop. That may be a relatively short engagement, and that's great. We'll see which resources are available. We'll put them together in a room. And they will, amongst themselves, decide who is the accountable person for that team. Now, the function of an accountable person is simply in our definition of that is it's the person that gets up in the meeting and says, everything's going okay. Or I think we are going to need an extra day or we need help. Okay. We've hit a brick wall, whatever the case may be. That doesn't mean the accountable person is responsible for any of the other team members doing the job. We all know what we're responsible for. And that's a really, really great way to introduce people into a leadership type role. The other thing that you will also encounter everywhere in anything that we that we've got there is is the concept of a leader leader culture
0: yes i did see that what what do you mean by that what is your definition of a leader leader behavioral model
2: so leader leader behavioral model is everyone's a leader the intern who started last week is as much a leader as i am a leader
0: interesting okay
2: Again, you know, the notion or the concept of only people with a lot more experience than you or years service than you can be a leader. That's bullshit. Everyone can and should be and is a leader. You know, if you go back even before, I don't know if you guys are familiar with his work by Ricardo Semler.
1: No, I can't say that I am.
2: In the mid 80s, the seven day weekend, I think, or Maverick. Maverick is, is the original book. So, Ricardo Semler had this concept of, you know, we expect people outside of the workplace to make the most important decisions of their lives, like who to marry, what house to buy, how to raise their children. And yet, when they come into the workplace, we want to prescribe to them what time they should have lunch, what they should wear. Oh, wow. Okay. And whether they should actually work on a Wednesday afternoon instead of going watching their kids play sport and putting in that time on a Saturday morning when it's more convenient for them, to them, for example. So ever since I I read that, you know, that really resonated with me. His whole concept and way of, well, you have to treat people in the way that you expect them to behave. And I expect everyone to, outside of work, to be responsible To be a leader of his own life, you know, you know the old saying of "you are the CEO of your life." Anyway, so and and as I said earlier, you know, as as human beings, we are pretty good at that. It comes natural to us. So just allow that and encourage that in the workplace.
1: Right, and Herman. I'm interested to know how your team has reacted to these concepts because I would imagine a lot of a lot of people, especially that have been in the workforce for a decent amount of time or, or yeah. any amount of time other than, than people that have just left university, right, perhaps, have been exposed to that traditional, this is what you do, you come in at 8 o'clock, you check in, 5 o'clock you leave, you've got an hour lunch, 10 o'clock's your tea break, that sort of thing, right? So when they come into your workspace and you are offering them this, no, 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 you're the boss of your life, you, you're you big and ugly enough to know what you need to do, how are they responding to this
2: I want to say, "quote unquote," freedom, and has it backfired? Yeah. So, guy, that that is very interesting. Is you initially, when we first introduced it, th- there was a little bit of resistance. Okay. In terms of, well, not sure this is going to work. You know, what some people may abuse this. Well, that's okay. That's true. Some people may abuse it, but then you deal with those people. You know, right. don't steer away from something because somebody may actually abuse it of course yeah so back to your question in terms of you know how do you overcome that the consistency repeating yourself on a daily basis knowing that just saying something once is, is is not going to have the desired effect as much as we'd like to i think that well we're dealing with adults here let's tell them once and then they'll do it. This is about actually encouraging people giving people a thumbs up or a well done when you actually see that behavior taking place right
1: right so regular constant feedback and positive reinforcement continuously yeah
2: that positive reinforcement is 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 absolutely key and that doesn't that doesn't mean like like i said you know it doesn't mean that somewhere along the line somebody's not going to abuse this, this freedom
1: right how are those sort of things bubbling up there's this concept of a self-regulating software team right? In the realm of Scrum and Agile, in, in, in certain methodologies, they put a bunch of people together in the same mechanism that you've mentioned, Herman. And they put a bunch of people in the room and they say, cool, you guys know what needs to be done. You're all skilled cross-functionally. Figure out who's accountable. Figure out who's going to do what. Figure out who's best to solve which pro- whichever problem. And usually the positive case is easy to understand, right? So someone who's good at SQL is going to do the database stuff. Somebody who's a natural leader is going to run the accountability for the project and make sure that things get done. But the flip side of that is when somebody is not performing or when people are abusing the freedoms that they have, how are they doing regular catch-ups or like retrospectives? And, and, and is the team holding each other to account or are they leaning on you to deal with it? And- no,
2: a, a guy, yeah, very much keeping, there's the regular feedback. That's extremely important. We have a, a very, very simple way of doing that. Look, we're fortunate in the sense that we're a, a, a relatively small team. So that's quite easy to do, but there is peer accountability. People check in in the morning and say, these are the tasks I'm going to to work on today, I get the notifications. It's, It's a simple WhatsApp group. We try different types of software, go back to very, very simple. People have to check in by a certain time in the morning, which we feel is reasonable. This is what I'm going to do today. And then at the end of your day, not the end of my business day or at the end of your day. Just check out and say, This is what I did. These I completed this. I'm 80% with that. Oh wow. Guys, I actually need a bit of help here. And then obviously within the on the technical side, the guys will sit together and they will go through at certain checkpoints in terms of you know, before before a new build is done or test release is done or whatever, they will actually sit together and that way hold each other accountable. But from a, from a management point of view, yeah, I, I've got a little WhatsApp group and I get these messages in the morning and I get those messages in the afternoon and I'll know if somebody didn't check in.
0: It sounds like a modern punch card approach where you used to just take the punch card, check in, check out. That's actually really interesting. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, as I say, Holly, we, we, we tried different different pieces of software and it just didn't work, you know. We really tried to keep it as simple.
0: Software is really out of the yeah, equation in this absolutely. scenario. It's really just...
2: No, so, yeah. so sure, these guys, these guys have their disciplines, etc. Of course, yes. In which they work. So we can always refer back to that, you know. If there's anything in a check-in that piques my interest, I know exactly who to speak to and who to ask for a more detailed update
1: and Herman if I can ask you to cast your mind back to when you made the decision to go with this sort of methodology for your business where it was relinquishing the I want to say the control of knowing what's going on at a management level right back and and handing that control to your team was that a difficult thing for you to initially untrain yourself to do Or, or was this part of your DNA from the beginning
2: no it 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 took some effort guy, to kind of step back and not jump in too quickly. So the jumping in too quickly part is not so much because I am a control freak, but it was about, I think that I can solve your problem for you, or I can help you. I can, I can, I can rally the troops. I can get the right resource in that sort of thing. And rather allowing people to kind of get to that conclusion by themselves, you know. So, yeah, from my side, that that took a little bit of effort. I think from everybody else's side, it was just a question of understanding that he's serious, that this is the way that we are going to do things now. And yeah, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the, with the, the video. Um, Derek Sivers is a, is a cool little YouTube video about how do you start a movement? It's a short one. You can go check that out. We'll do, but okay. he's got he's, he's he's got this this video of a guy standing at a music festival, and there's just this one guy dancing like crazy, and everyone initially everyone is just looking at this weirdo. He's okay. just dancing like crazy, but he doesn't let that deter at all. And then eventually a second person joins him. so now there are two guys. They still look a little bit crazy, and then like a few minutes later, you know, there's like a ton of people that joined in the fun. And that's how you, you you know, it's it's about that constant reinforcing. Right. The positive reinforcement. And uh, you know, I if if, if I have to cast my mind back in terms of how long it took, I, I can't really say. But it wasn't overnight. It wasn't decision made and then it was all hunky dory from there.
1: Right, right. I think, like anything like this, where it's a drastic shift in in, in traditional way of doing things, uh, you're always going to get that kickback, and you're going to have that initial like, Ooh, "I'm not so sure about this. Let me see how this goes. Let that person try it for a bit, and then I'll kind of jump in." And so maybe let's discuss Fitfo a little bit more, right? So if we, if we're looking at at this process, it sounds like it's a the Fitfo is the methodology to which you're going to achieve the goal of the the your client's needs. Right. But in terms of an offering on your, on your website, I noticed it's, it, there is a turnkey business consultancy mechanism to this, right? So an idea guy comes off the street, comes to you, Herman, and says, hey, I've got this idea for a business, a platform, an application, a software solution. Can you help me? How has your business adapted to that way of work, given the background being a purely software development firm consultancy in the past?
2: Yeah, so look, for the last, I don't know, four or so years, we've engaged with entrepreneurs to like become their technical partner. Because what we found is, and, and that came through a couple of referrals, people people I know who know about what we do referred entrepreneurs to us, you know, and it was a typical story. I've got this great idea. I went through some boot camp entrepreneur thingy, whatever, where they taught me to build a beautiful beautiful pitch deck with these wonderful graphs that you know they all just go in one direction yeah but my problem is is that i spent all the money i had to get version or mvp developed and um, now i figured out that those guys didn't do a good job or whatever classical classical scenario out there with entrepreneurs so we 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 did a couple of those where we said okay cool you need a tech partner if your business is tech based or as a, a, a high reliance or dependency on, on the tech, you obviously need a tech partner. And until such time as your business is big enough that warrants your own dev team, your own CTO, whatever it is, we will be that partner. Okay. We will put skin in the game because I believe skin in the game is very important because you have to build that trust and confidence that you are a partner. But there's also, you know, the importance of the the there must be an invoice. Because nothing is for free and free doesn't really have a lot of value. Okay. okay. And then we went through a couple of iterations with that. And through that, we also got to a point where we said, OK, cool. We see these mistakes that the entrepreneurs make, and that led us to put Together, the Five Friday way, where we say, hang on, if if, if we're going to become your tech partner, there's a couple of things that we want to make sure that you are aware of, you understand, and by the way, we can actually help you in a number of these areas, just through the years of experience that we have, some internal competencies that we have, and some relationships that we have with people that we know and trust and that we've worked with for a long time. That also gives a lot of confidence in terms of, wow, actually, these guys, they want to help us in all these other areas other than just build the tech. You know? It adds a lot of value to say, well, you know what, the buttons should actually be purple and not yellow because of the following reasons. And they should be here and they should be there. But when you sit an entrepreneur down and say, OK, cool, but hang on, how much do you think, I always use this example, how much do you think Uber spent on mvp of their app and guys invariably come up with a number of oh, maybe a million dollars and that's irrelevant it's a follow-up question is how much do you think uber spent on marketing that mvp and if the answer doesn't come back as 10 million or 20 million or 30 million then there's some education that must take place
0: okay so fitfo is obviously a very unique model and it's kind of homegrown within your company has obviously brought you guys great success. What happens when you have a, a client or a partner who has a different method, method their, their approach is different. They want to do agile. They want to do waterfall. We've obviously had that on our side where sometimes we have to go in and we have to train them up on agile or they have a variation of agile that they believe. And we kind of like, well, not that we say that we're purely agile and we follow it to the book, but we, yeah. we try and get as close as we can. So what happens when there's a bit of a difference between your approach and their
1: approach? It's like a philosophical difference, right? Around around their approach yes. to delivery and, and dealing with a supplier like
2: you. Yeah, look, we are very happy and comfortable to use whatever methodology they prefer to use. Okay. As long as they are open to look at, you know, our learnings and our experience and say, hey guys, you know what? Because I, I fully understand there they are... Big organizations out there, whether they've adopted Agile or whether they adopt Waterfall. I mean, those things have their place. I think it's a question of, and and that's really what FITFO is about. You know, it's not saying that any of those are crap. and You should never use them. Sure. We're saying, take whatever you feel is appropriate for the size and scope and nature of that project, and then go and apply it. Amazing. Okay. If you want to have a really typical waterfall, because it is a a very big project, it's going to take 18 months to develop or whatever the case may be. Well, within that, look at where the possibilities or the opportunities are to, I don't know, maybe introduce some elements of agile Mm. or some elements of whatever. That's essentially
1: what we say. Right. So it's it's really interesting to me how you guys approach your 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 partners, and I think it's something that all software development companies are going to have to face eventually. Right? Is that your customers are going to have ideas, they're going to have these products that they want built, but ultimately, if we look at the stats, I think I think right now it's like seventy percent of all application ideas fail, right? All seventy percent of all products, novel product ideas fail. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure if we pressed you, you know, within ten minutes, you can come up with three novel app ideas, right? Whether one of them is going to be successful is up for debate. Probably in your experience, there's a higher chance of that being a success than most, given the fact that you've got this experience with others. But how do you go about coaching your your clients in terms of okay you've got this lofty idea it's something that's been you know ruminating in your mind for potentially years and you've got some money to build something and you've approached Five Friday to assist you but let's say that that turns out in your mind and you've seen this before and this is definitely not a business opportunity how do you coach that individual or adapt their model to or change their mindset to maybe pivot towards something that is going to be a profitable business
2: well I think uh, you know the first thing is is, is present them with the Five Friday way, you know, and making them aware of all these areas that we look at and all the experience that we have. And then we will sit down with them and say, well, does does that work for you? You know, if that doesn't work for you and you only want somebody to write the tech for you, then, well, maybe we will still do it. We're not going to put skin in the game. It's a different relationship mm-hmm. then. But most of the time we will then say, well, we're not the team for you. If you buy into the Five Friday way, then, well, okay, cool, let's assemble the team. Right. Day one, marketing is in the room. Tell me about your product. How are you going to sell it? Why are those features important? And then whittle down, you know, because if you start you start asking those questions and and the entrepreneur starts understanding, well, you know what? Maybe we don't have to have that feature in in MVP. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like the first question give me a list of first 10 customers who are going to buy from you and i'm not talking about personas i'm talking about name surname address telephone number email address right so that
1: you can actually approach them and market to them some shape so on paper mvp or in principle some demo of the software
2: right absolutely absolutely and i and you know i strongly believe that most entrepreneurs should you know the MVP should be about ten percent of what they think the MVP okay. should be
0: very it's, lean is an
2: inordinate amount of money being spent you're absolutely very lean. If you can click on a button and it looks like something is happening and it just drops a record in an Excel spreadsheet in the back. that's good enough for MVP. Why are we both trying to build this fantastic because this is going to scale and this is going to you know. Yeah. It's not going to happen with MVP. MVP, the misnomer, I mean, there are many examples, you know. Instagram. Instagram pivoted when they saw that the original product didn't work. And and so you can go through a a whole bunch of examples. You know, we always see the end product, you know. What's the old saying? An overnight success takes 10 years or something Mm. like that. Mm. It's a cool quote. Entrepreneurs (laughs) forget that. Entrepreneurs yeah. forget that. You know, so really whittle it down to what is the bare minimum. If it can be done in a spreadsheet, let's do it in a spreadsheet until we know that that feature must be built. Right.
0: So Herman, you've obviously, you've been in the game for quite a while. You've achieved a lot of success. So to maybe blow some smoke or to sell your, yourself and your skill set <laughs> a little bit more, what do you, do you think that our listeners could do today to take that step forward to achieving the similar sort of success uh, that you've achieved in your career
2: well yeah you know it's, it's it's definitely not about what i achieved it's about what our team at five friday has achieved okay so that's really the important thing is, is first of all trust your people get them to a point where they trust each other that's extremely important okay co-create co-create sit the team down and say, hey, guys, where are we going? What are we aspiring to? You know, the bullshit that we see um, in terms of vision, mission. We work. <laughs> <laughs> correct. You know, I, I cringe when I see honesty and integrity, et cetera, as value. Those are very, very basic principles. Mm. You know, you shouldn't have to, those shouldn't be values, you know. So yeah. co-create with your team. And I'm talking about the entire team, and there there are ways in in which you can do that to come up with where you're going and how you're going to get there. Whittle down values to as little as possible. We actually have a formula, and the formula, if you'll indulge me, is about exactly the right-hand side of the equals sign is what we aspire to because we're not there. Okay. And we don't know if we're ever going to reach that 100% every day. And then on the left-hand side of the equal sign, you've got elements above the line, things that we should do more of. And below the line, we've got things that we should do less of. And there's a company called Blueprints. And they have done these formulas for hundreds of companies around the world. They actually do these beautiful art installations, So Deloitte, Massmart, there's a whole bunch of them, some of the radio stations. And it's co-created by the entire workforce. Because then there's never a case of, well, I didn't say that we must be whatever it is. You know there's, there's always that abdication of, well, I I didn't say we are going to be great, and we're going to mm. treat people with respect to you guys decided. It's always you guys, you know. So co-creation, extremely important. While if I can get people to just co-create with their people yes. tomorrow, that will set you on that path to kind of creating this right culture.
1: Right. So if I, could, if I could offer an analogy, it's like getting everybody in your business to put their hands on the steering wheel and help to, to guide this, this car in the direction that everybody wants to go in.
2: And not leave it to the imaginations yeah, of one the guy. executive to decide that. Just going to reiterate this, the importance of people feel that they are part of this decision in terms of the direction that we're going and how we're going to do it. And not well the boss said. You know, the boss said we must all. Right. My manager said.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can imagine it instills a good sense of ownership and people become yeah. owners in the way that they think about their work they start to think like business owners. They start to think like entrepreneurs. They start to, in every decision they make, as mundane as it may be on a day-to-day basis to the largest decision around a client project or a project within the business, they are thinking about it as if they are you and that they have the same level of investment in that decision. And they're mandated to make that call and have that investment, which is fantastic.
2: It sounds like a brilliant way of doing business. There's a hell of a lot of gratification in, getting the team together, whether that is the dev team or just part of the dev team or the marketing team, or whatever it is, and saying, hey, guys, we've got this opportunity, the other facts, this is what we know. Do you guys think we're going for this? What am I not seeing? What do you guys see as potential pitfalls, etc.? And then knowing and understanding that the input is valuable, right?
1: And I suppose the responsibility then leads to you to make sure that their input is felt as being listened to and is being adopted and being, and and, and I suppose it points to it, how genuine are you in your approach will, will dictate how much of that gets fed back to the team to say that, okay, cool, Susan actually had this idea, we're going to try it. We've now tried it for six months. It was a brilliant idea, it's worked out. Thank you, Susan, all credit to her. And that, I suppose, is going to then reinforce Susan to make similar suggestions in the future and come up with ideas on how to move the business forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But also when people put up a red flag, you know, and say, hey, you know what, I'm not comfortable mm. with that. Say, so, okay, cool, explain to me, why are you are not comfortable with that? And they'd say, mm. I get it, I get it. I didn't look at that angle, I didn't think of that angle you know what, I back you all the way. Awesome.
0: And with this, with this approach that you have, maybe could you give us an example of your most recent accomplishments or milestone, or we did it moment that you that you or your your company has had recently?
2: Well, Oli, the one that the one that stands out is when lockdown happened last year, and we had to work from home, mm-hmm. we all kind of at this anxiety, you know, and and, and and shortly afterwards, I said to the, I said to the team, guys, if, if we, if I had said to you, let's try this as an experiment for three weeks or whatever, <laughs> I would probably have been the first one to come up with a bullshit excuse mm-hmm. of why we have to get Both, around yes. the table. But, you know, just to see how, how, how people reacted to that. And it was kind of one of those moments where you feel like, okay, cool, all of this work that we put into culture and leader, leader and accountability and responsibility, et cetera. Wow. Now you kind of really understand and see why you did all that work. I mean, it it worked so well for us that we've now given up our offices.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Yeah, we have we have now made the decision to go completely work from home. That doesn't mean that we won't have offices in the future. But for now, that is the right decision for us. You know, I sometimes find myself sitting and thinking back and and say, well, what if we what if we didn't, you know, how different could it have been if we had a very hierarchical, you know, you report joe and joe reports to sally and that sort of thing you know how different it could have been this whole experience of people now having to think for themselves make decisions for themselves you know right and and how do you think herman do you think that the, the the
1: jury is still out on how fully remote work is going to affect company culture In terms of what you want to build and how you want your 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 guys to how you want them to interact with each other or do you think that the sacrifice is one that's necessary in order to get the benefit of working from home
2: well guy i I don't think we should ever have to sacrifice culture company culture you know a quote that really stuck in my mind is uh, in zero to one peter Thiel says that no company has a culture every company is a culture it is there whether it's good or whether it's bad, there are certain things that you can do to make it better, which is obviously what we want to do. So for us, I, you know some of the some of the potential challenges is how do we onboard new members and make sure that that culture is installed? And we've had a, a few new appointments since January. Fortunately, they are based in either Johannesburg or Cape Town. We, we have teams and we can, we can kind of introduce a buddy system, you know, these are the people okay. that you're going to work with, go out, have breakfast, have a coffee, have a beer, whatever it is, just get to know each other. And we've recently got somebody who's a little bit more remote, but we could actually put that person on a plane and say, okay, cool, come spend some time. For a week so there we're still busy fine tuning i suppose the next challenge would be is uh, if our next employee is in i don't know botswana or argentina or other side of the world, you know, that will present different different challenges. But we're happy to take those on, you know, and and just be right. brutally honest about where we are. Right,
1: and I think you're right. I think to to improve a company's culture takes deliberate effort and thoughtful, intentful decision making around getting that right. And the responsibility now shifts from hoping that your your culture will be imparted into new into new people and maintained by the ones you have to actually making sure that that happens and and driving that from a from from a leadership position. That's really great to hear. And Herman, if I can ask you, just the flip side of the most recent accomplishment that you might've had is what you're currently dealing with that's not so great. What's the biggest fire you're trying to put out and and what's your biggest frustration right now? If you're okay to share that with us, of course.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to share that with you. I I think that this is one that that will resonate with you and with with a lot of other people in our industry is, is the 1990 rule. Are you familiar with the 1990 rule? No. It was coined back in 1985 by a guy by the name of Tom Cargill in Bell Labs. And it says that the first 90% of the code accounts for the first 90% of the development time. The remaining 10% of the code accounts for the other 90% of the development
1: Right. I know a similar one, and it's called the 80-20 rule. Yeah. Exactly the same concept.
2: <laughs> so that really is something that I would like to find a better, you know, a better solution for. And I've I've really spent a lot of time thinking about that. And one of the reasons why I think we constantly find ourselves in terms of underestimating is that that's not really what we're doing. I think as human beings, we are by default optimists, even the pessimists are optimists. It sounds like a bit of a contradiction, but pessimists are optimistic about the pessimism Mm -hmm. that they. So I have absolutely no reason to think or believe that anybody, if you ask them how long it's going to take to do a specific piece of work, is deliberately going to lie to you. Okay. so in other words, if we if, if, and that's always my starting point is, is assume positive intent. So, so if we say that if you, you've given as, as many of the, all, all the facts that you are aware of, this is what the job ent- ent- entails, that the person will give you a their best realistic effort required to complete that. So that's on the one hand. Then on the other hand, as we, as we kind of get to these last stages of a project, there's always a couple of things. And it might be, listen, we, we we overlook the impact of X, Y, and Z on the following. You know what? That's part of I don't know. It's it's the same as me saying I'm going to my local grocer and I'm going to take the usual route, but there's a I don't know, burst pipe or whatever, and I have to take a detour. It's part of life. So those things happen. But how do we make that 90, that last 90 percent of the time that you know is required to finish the last 10 percent of the work. How do we make that smaller, and how do we get that? Because it's not it's not just from a commercial point of view. Yeah, absolutely, that's important. If we say something is going to take X number of hours to com- complete, that's obviously has a cost related to it. And if we get that wrong, you know, we're on the hook for that. It is equally as important for me is this is what does it do to the individual or the team that kind of find themselves in that particular situation with it it's like geez guys you know we know this should have been done or should have been finished two weeks ago here we are sorting out the last few bugs etc uh, etc et and it, it, it adds unnecessary mm-hmm. frustration okay so that's kind of a challenge uh, right do you guys have a a solution for that
1: you know i think i think it is something that is well understood we now will be it the eighty twenty rule right and and i think for us what we do is just is focus on transparency uh, harley i'm sure that you're you're aware of and you guys have done this in your projects as well but you play open cards with the client you're right we we don't know we, we know the least about a project the earlier you go into in the development of the project so when you start making promises about timelines uh, the earlier you start making those promises the more susceptible to being wrong they are yeah. within a factor of three to four times off right in, in some cases so what we try to do to mitigate that 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 expectation gap is regular quick review cycles on deliverables right so you know i'm sure yeah. in your world you guys do sprints we do sprint reviews with our customers we we measure their backlog burn down we explain to them where we are what our pitfalls are why we fail to reach certain milestones and they know this every sort of two to three weeks we get this feedback with them yeah. so they're on the journey with us we try and keep our customers and, and, and i'm sure you do the same huh? you keep your customers as close to the metal and the working team and incorporate them into the team as much as possible so that they're not this client on a pedestal that's standing on the mountain Mm. up high that in six months time we need to present them a gift right yeah that they can then make a judgment upon right once we get to the end of the project they're all the way through building the the project along with you they're the ones that are making pivotal decisions every sort of two to three weeks and in doing so we kind of we we always explain that 80 20 we always say to them right you're going to get a lot of value early on and it's going to come quickly and you're going to get used to seeing this value quickly Mm -hmm. but we're going to get to a point where the detail is going to become important and at that point the timelines are going to start to get long and you're going to start to feel, oh, well, I'm not I'm not seeing the output that I was seeing three months ago, right? And we set that expectation. We try and help our customers coach them through it. And as you say, it's not always a win. Customers don't always understand that. And it's the onus on us and the leadership team within each of our teams to coach our customers and to kind of get them to understand that way of working. And it's not always a win and it's not always easy. And as you say, repet- repetition, 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 yeah. You've Got to keep doing it right you got to keep telling them you got to keep coaching them so yeah it's kind of where our our challenge is and and exactly to your point right and it's a it's a frustration for us it's just as much as it's a frustration for
2: yeah them. as i say you know it's about the team members you know because yep. i i see kind of every now and then there's this there's, there's an element of fatigue setting in in terms of oh, can we just get can we just be done with this oh yes you know and it, it's not for lack of effort hmm. so anyway that that's that's kind of like yeah. my, my challenge to solve
0: Okay. So for the last little bit of our, right. our chat today, we want to go into something that we call pressure time, where Guy and I have a couple of questions. And yeah, the goal is to put you on the spot to ask you the question. And you know, 30 seconds to a minute, however quickly you can answer the question. And yeah, we, we see we see what you have to say. So Guy, sure. Yeah, and the goal yes. is to get our listeners okay. to,
1: to get to know you a bit better, Ehrman, and, and for us to get to know you a bit better as a person. Holly, uh, you want me to start?
0: Yeah, you go for it.
1: Okay, great. So, the latest must read book and why you think so? What's the latest read that you've done that you think everybody and anybody who you speak to, you're telling them read this book tomorrow? Wow.
2: So, the latest book that i read, Skip the Line by James Alticher. I think it is a great read. It's all about skipping the line in terms of the 10,000 hour rule. Okay. Okay. It's pretty restricting me to thirty oh, go seconds. Go ahead. Here. Keep, this keep a going. 30, this is a, this is a thirty <laughs> minute this is a, No, no, it's 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 about you know where we are in you know an ever changing world in in, in in so many facets. People can change careers, or people are held back from changing careers or trying different things because they they've got this thing stuck in their head about well to become good at that I need ten thousand hours. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell rule. So these are about tips and tricks because James Altucher has kind of reinvented himself a number of times. So that's a really important, but my all-time favorite book, which I which I really think everyone should read if they haven't and maybe reread if they have read it is 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Oh, wow. We could probably talk for, f- for days on this book. Yes. Uh, and then also a very recent one which I found a lot of value in is, is The Parasitic Mind by Gad Sad s a a d very insightful and then everything and anything that nasim taleb writes my favorite nasim taleb quote says that you don't become completely free by just avoiding to be a slave you also need to avoid becoming a master
1: wow okay
2: Okay. very smart guy so yeah those are awesome kind of top of mind books yeah
0: okay so next question who is the most professionally influential person in your life right now and why
2: well geez (laughs) that's a difficult one to to answer i i I would say you know i obviously mentioned jordan peterson i think that Mm -hmm. the man has got incredible insight into the human mind and how we function and so on So so he's definitely one, but I I don't generally idolize people, you know, to the extent, but they are obviously a couple of people whose work I follow and whose opinions I value and so on. Gadzad, somebody that I mentioned in terms of his recent book, very open mind. Thomas Sowell, American Economist, is another one that come to mind. Awesome. Okay. And if I were to ask you, what
1: is the most frustrating opinion that other people have about you? What would you
2: say that is? <laughs> this guy i I have no idea what other people's opinions of me are you know it's It's not an egotistical kind of way, but you know it took me it took me quite a while to get comfortable with who I am and what I am about and to understand that other people's opinions don't really matter that much. I'm not saying that i'm you know I don't give a shit what other people think. Sure, But not in a way that, you know, it's really important to me to understand why you don't like me or uh, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. So this is really difficult for me to to answer that one. I'm, I'm, su- I'm sure that well, people...
0: That, no, that's the point of these questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our second last question. What do you think is your most controversial opinion? Something that every time you bring it up, people roll their eyes or you know it's going to spark a debate.
2: Wow. <laughs> I've got quite a few of those. <laughs> the world can the world can really do with a hell of a lot less middle management. You know, there's there's, mm-hmm. there's okay. a layer and a hierarchy in corporate in the corporate world which I think doesn't belong there. And, and and I'm of the opinion that working from home, the way that we've kind of been forced to do things for the last year, is actually going to show that up. It's it's going to show where where these layers are that didn't add tremendous or enough value. Right. So that's one of them.
1: And in some cases, offering detriment to the organization, right? Creating political silos.
2: Absolutely. Enterprises
1: within the organization. Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I can see that.
2: Correct. And I've seen people that unfortunately have progressed to those levels, Guy, and they lost all enjoyment that they got out of their job. Because now all of a sudden they don't do what they love and what they were good at and they spend their time in meetings. People reporting to them in meetings and them reporting to other people in meetings, it's an endless cycle. So that's kind of something which people find, yeah, they definitely roll their eyes at that. Another one is, is that I think that cancel culture is going to ultimately cancel, cancel culture. (laughs) <laughs> we we we, <laughs> we okay everyone is so very aware of where we are and how sensitive people are and i'm not saying that they are not things that we have to be sensitive about you know but it seems like mm-hmm. you know we are we've chucked the baby out with the bath water yeah
1: yeah There's that quote again, Harley. So, uh, that baby with the bathwater thing, just a little anecdotal piece of uh, information (laughs) here. So, Harley and I were having a a discussion around something. I can't remember what it was. And I mentioned, I said that quote, and Harley was like, wait, wait, wait. What?
0: Never heard
2: of it. What
1: did you just say, baby with the bathwater? I had no idea that there were human beings on earth that hadn't heard the phrase, throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Considering Guy's a recent father of two. I was quite <laughs> alarmed by that statement and uh and it took some serious convincing and googling for me to believe that it was wow. actually a statement uh, i guess i've just heard yeah. different ways of putting that analogy anyway yeah. sorry
1: so back to the questions the last one here herman
2: what are you currently procrastinating over oh what am i procrastinating over I, I, i'm procrastinating in my writing i want to write more i enjoy writing whether it is a, um, just an email to my staff or whether it is just something that I write for myself. It was one of those things that I decided not too long ago that I'm going to take up again and at least give myself a target in terms of I am going to write something once a week, you know. I'm procrastinating about that. It's not like I don't have opinions or that I don't have topics to write Mm. about. And I, I, it's not the
0: backlog. We'll get to it. Pretty
2: okay. Yeah, I'm pretty okay with you know just sitting and writing something about the sunrise. You know, as I'm sitting having my morning coffee, it doesn't have to be about Mm. the state of business or the you know whatever we're going through in the world and so on. Mm. But yeah, that's that. That is something that I feel I should develop a little bit more but I'm procrastinating at the moment.
0: Well, thank you so much, Herman. That's that's pretty much it. You're definitely very knowledgeable and you've given us a lot of quotes and a lot of books that I think Guy and myself and hopefully some of the listeners as well are going to go research and, and figure out for
2: ourselves. So definitely thank you for that.
1: Yeah, 100%. And Herman, just again, thanks from my side as well.
2: No, thank you, guys. If you'll allow me, I want to chuck one more book in because oh, we spoke about leader, we spoke about leader, leader culture quite a lot. You know, if there's one book that really helps you understand and brings that to the fore, it is Turn That Ship Around by David Marquette. Okay. Really interesting. And, Add it to the list. Yeah. Please do.
0: And Herman, just to kind of bring us home, where can our listeners find you if they want to find out more about yourself or get in contact or Five Fridays or the FitFo methodology?
2: Yeah, Five Friday, you know, obviously www.fivefriday.com. Myself, I am on most social media, I'm not very active by by choice at the moment. But yeah, they can find me there and happy to get in contact with anybody really love chatting about our experiences in terms of the way that we do things and the methodologies that we use and so on
1: excellent thank you herman and thank you to our listeners catch us on the next podcast Uh, i've I've been guy coleman and my co-host
0: harley ferguson thanks everyone and thanks again
2: Herman, for joining us thank you an absolute pleasure guys
1: At Hayfully Software, we build dev teams that deliver and fix those that don't. Dev teams fail to deliver all the time for countless reasons. From lack of skills to barriers and culture, from politics to process, from silos to egos. Whatever the reason, it's time they deliver. This is why we exist. From enterprise to startups, we craft high-performance dev teams focused on end-to-end delivery. Visit Hayfully Software at OutsourceHS.com to learn more.
0: You've been listening to the Agile CTO. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.